foodie. 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 From the Not A Foodie studio, which is not actually a studio, it's just my dining room table. It's the Not A Foodie podcast. This is a special, quick uh, quick recording, quick hot take edition of the Not A Foodie podcast starring Mike Moranti. I'm going to be interviewing Mike. Yeah, uh, this is the first no edit uh, podcast that we're going to do. We're recording it around 11 a.m. It's probably going to be up by 12. Yeah, we're going to do this real quick, quick and easy. This is uh, so Mike. Why are we doing this? Because Sensacana got reviewed by the New York Times. All right. So for those of you that don't know, Sensacana is the restaurant that Mike works at. Mike's been I run building. He's been he, he runs uh, front of house there. He's been building this restaurant for a year now. Right? Literally a year. Yesterday it was my first day, and it was also the day that the online review came out. And then today is the print review, which I have to go buy one. So I, I think that one of the reasons that we wanted to do this podcast is because uh, I feel that from, from knowing friends in the restaurant industry, I feel that from the minute you decide you're going to start opening a restaurant to the minute you get your review in Manhattan, especially, or in New York City, if you get your review from the New York Times, that's sort of like that first plateau. That's, the, that's your opening phase. Um, so I think that this is a, a pretty cool, like this is an end to your opening phase. Yeah, um, now, essentially, like, Michelin, they they know Europe really well. They don't really understand New York City very well, but the New York Times is all that matters in New York City. So so let's talk about the review. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what, so it was, a, it was a one-star review. It was a one-star review, and we were hoping for a two-star review. Uh, what one-star means is it's a good restaurant. Two-stars means it's a very good restaurant. Yeah, one star. I mean, first of all, just getting picked to be reviewed by the New York Times is is, is huge. It's an accomplishment. Um, but a one star review is, you know, it means that it's a recommended restaurant. It means that it's a good restaurant. So like a, a four star restaurant is like impossible. There's like six in the city. Three star restaurants are very, very, very difficult to get to. Those are very expensive restaurants usually. Uh, so two stars like where you can get really great restaurants. Um, and essentially in the review... Uh, it, it almost read like a good two-star review. Like I, he reviewed the pool two weeks ago and gave them two stars, and it was like not a very good. Re- it was like a shallow review. <laughs> it was like the food is good but not great, and it's like trying to be great and failing. Yeah, I, I mean, everything that I read um, into the into the review, into the actual words of the review. Um, I, I mean, I got the sense that he, he enjoyed the place. Um, they were definitely. Little things here and there, but he really liked the mm-hmm. food. He really liked the concept. He, I mean, he overall generally really liked the restaurant. Yeah, he's he's pretty famous for like using negative metaphors. Like he said, the soup at per se looked like bong water, <laughs> um, stuff like that. And there are none of those in the review. And so, like that to me was huge. Um, and like it, it's funny because if I would have rather had those words with a one star review than like. A per se esque two star review where or like a, where it's sort of condescending. I right. was because he the whole thing with like the Nikkei food is um is it is it authentic? 
is it like you keep saying it's not fusion is it more than fusion and in his review he never questions our authenticity which um for like the person who's never heard of sensicano before probably doesn't mean a lot but for me that like lives and breathes it and like is just all about how we're not a fusion restaurant we're a real culture and all these things uh i'm really happy with it yeah i mean i so i i went to the restaurant uh for the first time on friday night knowing that um there was going to be a review in the times coming up very very soon and i wanted to get in there before the review came out and before it was crazy packed and you know it was harder to get a reservation and i mean i loved it i thought everything was delicious and a from my dining experience there are some things that come through in the article which it was um, midtown anymore like it's not the you know the money flowing everywhere and it's not like the 2000s 2010s or like all these crazy restaurants popping up this is the issues that um that and, and this is not he doesn't come out and say this but i think um and that's that's probably one of the things that I think. Um, yeah, because sort of moved it down a little for, bit. Right? For a two-star restaurant, everything has to be very good. You know what I mean? Like it has to. If he, if you have like, uh, fifty dishes that are good, uh, that doesn't work. If you have like twenty-five dishes that are good on like a hundred-dish menu, that's not that good. But if you have twenty-five dishes that are good on like a forty-dish menu, that's great. Yeah. So. Uh, it's not that the food it sent isn't good. It's that some of it is better than others, and that's just when he he ordered almost the entire menu, wow. not not so much the classic sushi, but like we had all the receipts and everything. He ordered the vast majority of the menu, wow, in three visits. Yeah, I mean it's I, everything that I ate there was was awesome, but you can tell that you know you're I guess you're opening yourself up with a larger menu. You're opening yourself up to. So a lesser review. Since right? we've opened, we've taken two things off the menu. That's it. What were the, anything? Uh, one was uh, like a seafood soup, but we have um, uh, hot shrimp ceviche, and then they're very similar dishes. Mm-hmm. And we have a yakisoba too, which is like a seafood noodle dish. Were they taken off the menu because they you felt that they were too complicated, or they just weren't selling? I think no they... one ordered them. Okay. And then the chawan mushi takes like twenty five minutes, and like so the servers just weren't pushing it at all because it could like screw everything up. Okay. So they took that off too because it's too much time to wait for a dish. What what are what was the reaction of the the staff like what are, are you guys all uh, I know you you post were ambitiously Pete, post Pete Wells yes, post coming Pete Wells. or post Pete Wells review post the review um I really haven't talked to anyone I spoke to one server and mm-hmm. he's he kind of hit it on the head with what you said too about the size of the menu and he's like he liked all the dishes that we recommend to people well I mean I so the experience he, that I had there was a um, Mike special it was a it was a mike curated special i went in and said mike this menu's huge you know what's good on this menu you know here's what we want to spend just bring us food until until our tab runs out pretty much and i did and he did and it was it was fabulous it was fantastic it was awesome um but if i were to go in there and look at the menu um and try to have to pick all of these things out having never been there i I mean it would have been challenging very yeah so um uh, so anyway, you haven't really talked to uh, to too many people nope. uh, about about it, so you don't know sort of the the mood. But I guess I mean it's a very positive review. Yes, I honestly, it's just the fact that there's not a second star, like and like it's sort of silly because 
Oh, Eater Eater tore us apart from the Pete Wells review. Did they? Eater wrote like a, a synopsis of the Pete Wells review, and it was like Sensacana comes up short. Blah 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 blah. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you still have an eight there, and I, like he, yeah. it's a good review. Like it's a good one star review. Yeah. Like that you're like you're. That was it's literally a clickbait article when um, so this is my rule with journalism in general, whether it's, you know, whether it's political journalism or just uh, or food journalism or anything. I never read any article that its basis is another article like, yeah, you know, I mean, that's have the experience. That's so much of the Internet now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's pop it's politics right like it's can you believe what this news media is saying and mm-hmm. you know things like that and and, and here seven million dollars later sen sakana gets one tepid star from the times uh, i would i definitely would not describe that as a tepid star yeah exactly like, yeah i don't know it's just like all you do is read a pete wells article and then summarized it yeah that it's, and it's also not a large article like, i wouldn't give too much credence to that no stephanie tudor coming for you <laughs> she doesn't know i should start tweeting at her well so what do you what do you expect now as far as um you know a, a business like an uptick in in reservations or like i, I yeah, feel like just um, being reviewed I'm, is, is i'm actually kind of nervous that uh i'm gonna be called into work tonight <laughs> <laughs> like like i'm actually terrified today's your day off yeah and this is the first day in three weeks I've had two days off in a row. Right. So I'm kind of terrified that I have to come in to work tonight. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's going to be, um, I think you'll, my prediction is that for the next couple months, you're going to see a huge uptick in business because of people that want to try the new thing. So I, you know? I checked um, the, the New York Times Facebook post about it and everyone was tagging people saying like, oh, we got to come here. This looks great. Blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, the New York Times Instagram was tagging people too. And then the Eater article, the only person that commented it was uh, someone that we work with called What Should We Do, which is uh, Amy Jovel, which is like uh, they, they coordinate experiences for people. Okay. And she's like, hey, I guess Pete Wells didn't like it as much as we did. So like, <laughs> it, honestly, it, and it, it's good. Uh, Pete Wells, my favorite part was when he shouted out a song, The Sushi Chef. Yeah he, yeah, he said his nigiri is really, really beautiful. He said the rolls and everything are a little over the top, but I mean, they should be. Like, you know, you're it's a collision of cuisines. It should be like cool and expressive. Yeah, yeah. And like the the best roll on the whole menu is the negitoro, which is classic sushi, but it's like absurd. Well, so I think that you're gonna get. I, I, my, again, my prediction is you're going to get a lot, a lot of people that want to try the new thing, mm-hmm. and that that'll be that'll take you months. You know, like you'll have a, a really good uptake. You're going to be feeling the the ripples from this for a, for a while in a positive way. Like, the the New Yorker review has brought in hundreds of people. Yeah. So the New York Times can only do better. Wow. So, so let's take a step back here. Like this is sort of the end of. Um, the end of this first stage of opening a restaurant. I feel like after after you get your New York Times review, you can't say I'm opening a restaurant. You say the restaurant open. is open. Yeah, it's opened and we're you an established restaurant. You're an established restaurant. So how does that feel? Are you like breathing a sigh of relief? Are you yeah. gonna go on yeah. vacation or what? Um, I mean, now all we can do because we got that one star is show that we are a two star restaurant and improve and shatter guest ex- Have you heard the term uh, oversell and? Undersell over deliver. Of course. Of so course. it, it kind of like set us up for that too. Absolutely. Well, and and the reality is, is that 
you know, people are not going to make their, most people, the majority of people are not going to be like, oh, we're going to go out to dinner. Let's try Nikkei Cuisine. Oh, this place only got one star. It's yeah. like, they're not going to not go because of that. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, this is all press is good press when you're, you know, unless yeah, he's ripping you apart, it, which, which he, he definitely did not, did not, do, not do in any way. Yeah. So, I mean, so what do you, so moving forward in the restaurant, you, that's sort of the, the feeling like, all right, this review says. Mm-hmm. So he also talked about uh, service and like, we're not communicating, but the truth is, Everyone was just super nerd. We communicated too well. Everyone knew that Pete Wells was at table 18 or table 42. And um, everyone kind of probably went over what they should have done. And like in their head thought they were helping the restaurant by like being more attentive than needed to be. Mm -hmm. But like, sorry, you're Pete Wells. Everyone knows who you are. And that's just like what happens. That's what what you guys are going to do. Yeah. Wow. Because I'd rather be written up saying, oh, three people came to check up on us than... Nobody came to check up on us, and there were dirty plates on our table. Right. He said, like, it took like a hundred, it felt like a hundred people took busing him. Man, every other diner in the world would love to know that the entire restaurant <laughs> is taking care of their table. Yeah. Well, so, I like, mean, that's, that's the thing with, with restaurant reviews, right? Like, they're, um, the stars are sort of, uh, there's no real definition of how to get your stars. I mean, you can get, get from a three star to a four star just because your linens are are nice and and you've got silverware that you know is beautiful. Like there's no there's no real definition. And this is this is the minutia. And this is this is you know what people want to read about. They want to read about the minutia of mm-hmm. you know people reviewing restaurants or whatever. But I really think that um, I I think that the most people don't care. Yeah. Um, my, and my yeah. friend Emily was like, "Oh, do you think he's going to talk about the managers?" I was like, "God, I hope not." <laughs> <laughs> well, so managers, like, what what has this been like for you? What has um, this been like for the, the, the past year? The, like, I yeah. Mean, so I was the first hire at Sen. Uh, when I was at Sen for like two months, there was nobody else. So I was like just working on the wine list and like working on random things that needed to be done. And then they hired the GM and they were like, start doing the steps of service. And I was like, I really can't like with you need with stuff like that. You need somebody to like maybe now I'd be better at it. But still, you need somebody to like bounce things off of. Right. And like if I just wrote out steps of service, there'd be no one to be like, oh, no, that doesn't make like that makes no sense. Like so then Ricardo, the GM came and then we sat down and we wrote the step. We wrote everything for every single job at that restaurant front of house wise. And it was, okay, so what happens first? And then this happens. But wait, should this happen? No, that doesn't make sense. But it maybe it happens later. Blah, blah, blah. Like, right. So it's kind of like directing a, a movie, directing a film. Like having how service goes throughout. Like um, I love Chef's Table because mm-hmm. it makes it feel like an orchestra. The, the Netflix show. Yes. Yeah. It, it makes every uh, dinner service feel like an orchestra. Which well, it is. It is. I mean, it, it's definitely a dance. It's definitely um, you can a million moving pieces. Get, and... You can get as you know. You can write down procedures as much as possible. You can organize as much as you possibly can. But There's the minute the door opens up, you have no idea what curveballs are going to be thrown at you, and who's going to call in sick, and who's going to have to be working this that they weren't practicing, and you know, and mm-hmm. it's how you react to those things, and that's. I think that's what most people don't understand about opening a restaurant I'm, have you I wanted to read this to you uh, I haven't talked to you about this before but I wanted to there today um, or today or yesterday uh, there was a an article that was uh, it, it was published uh, in some Toronto newspaper and it's getting ripped apart like all over the place 
It's a guy um, who was like some sort of tech consultant, and he wrote this article called A Restaurant Ruined My Life. And <laughs> yes. And it's like, you know, whose so, life was ruined by restaurants? Mine. My restaurants <laughs> well, ruined my life. Dude, well, this what are is you talking this about? is this is this article is um, so so I'm reading the um, the did, buzz. Did, did he sort get of like take was down. he having dinner and someone like punched him in the mouth? No, like, he's he's <laughs> he just decided that he was going to he's had no food experience, no food, no experience in the food business. He decided to open up a restaurant. Oh, go fuck yourself. And this whole article is about him um, just his his horrible experience opening a restaurant how you know all of a sudden he um he didn't have enough money he couldn't find investors like duh investors are not gonna first of all investors aren't unless they've invested in um restaurants before they're not gonna invest in a restaurant and second of all they're not gonna invest in a restaurant from somebody who has never done anything like 2017 there's so have you ever like everyone's watched kitchen nightmares Every episode of Kitchen Nightmares is, oh, we always just wanted to have a – there's two. There's, oh, we always wanted to have a restaurant or, oh, we were a very successful restaurant and then we couldn't change with the times. Yeah. Those are the those are the two themes of any Kitchen Nightmares well, I show. mean there have been literally hundreds, probably thousands of articles or books or pieces out there saying don't fucking open a restaurant. Like people ask me all the time like, oh, Tom, you love to cook. Like what wouldn't you like to open a restaurant? No, I like to cook too much to open a restaurant. Like at, I, at I Becco, just it, yeah, it becomes it when it becomes a pain, I don't want to do it. At, at Becco, this cute tourist lady was like, "Oh, I love I love Lydia. I love to cook so much. I think I'd run a great restaurant." Yeah. And I told her I was very nice. I was like, "Miss, like I'm sure you're a great cook at home." But it's very, very difficult. To Completely like, different. Like I, I've been doing this almost my entire life, and if someone gave me a hundred thousand dollars to open up a restaurant, I'd be like, "Thank you, but no, thank you." Yeah, it's people have this romanticized vision that you're yeah. just going to be mingling with the customers. You're going to be cooking. You're going to be following your passion. And I, it's I a get fucking paid slog. to mingle with the customers. It's That's a like, slog, yeah. the, I, I get to live that romanticized part of it, <laughs> and it's still like for well, every for every like great conversation you have with a customer. You have one with someone that just wants to take advantage of you. Or for every conversation you have with a customer that is really interesting and really super fun, you, in the back of your mind, are dealing with the fact that this runner didn't come in today mm-hmm. or that oh, that's someone is complaining different. about this or the management. You know, it's it's a business that's a real pain in the ass uh-huh. and people just and don't understand that. I, I think the only people that actually do understand that that aren't industry are people that are like very people focused and mm-hmm. those are also the people that know they wouldn't want to open up a restaurant. like you have to be totally in tune with people more than anything else and have like if you're not then it's just going to be really difficult for everything right because you have to deal with people as customers and then you have to deal with people as staff and it's such a different type of business where... Well, and it's management. It's not just dealing with people. It's dealing with different personalities mm-hmm. and being able to manage them Lot, and not, not just be their friends. personalities. Yeah. And, and let's face it. I mean, the, the, there are some hard personalities that, that this industry attracts. And you know, drugs. I was just going to yeah. say drugs. Well, Gordon Ramsay has, has yeah. been... I haven't been following it that much, but I've been seeing little things about it. Gordon Ramsay's going on like this real anti-cocaine uh, thing. Yeah, he uh, he went to Colombia to like the the back forests of Colombia to like see cocaine made, and like he's like it smells putrid. And look, that's literally ammonia that they're pouring in there. Like, yeah, 
And then um, he was at one of his restaurants, someone was telling me, in the staff bathroom, and he just found, like, a rail. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's um, – uh, Bourdain is always talking about how, you know, he'll – uh, he meets fans on the street, and all they want to do is do coke with them. And he's like, "No, like I, that really? was that was a Anthony certain Anthony Bourdain, yeah, he, he, the guy who's like, like I'm done I, with drugs. I yeah. only <laughs> I only wrote a book because the drugs like ruined everything, and I needed I needed something to like, exactly. make money. Well, people romanticize that, right? Like it's Anthony Bourdain said he was like smoking pieces of carpet because they were like little part pieces of like meth in it or something like <laughs> he said that was the lowest point of his life well and that's and so that and i mean that's not even talking about like the sexism and the aggressiveness that is uh, that this industry sort of mm-hmm. uh just is a magnet for and so you know you want to open up a restaurant um it's great you're going to have your own the vision way. that this is the way it's going to do it but these are the people that you're going to be hiring these are people you're going to be dealing with and this is how it's all going to work and try doing that you know, it's it's like the the uh, what do they call it the the duck uh, with the the uh, duck duck duck, duck on no the duck on still water. Um, you don't see its feet just paddling, mm-hmm. paddling, paddling. You know what you see is the duck just sort of gliding along effortlessly. You don't see all well, of that, the work that's, that's what going good, on. Good service is great. Great service is achieved when it looks like there's zero effort being put in. Right. That that's the definition of like good service where. You're in the weeds, and the staff, ha- the customers have no idea that you're in the weeds. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, people just don't understand. People don't understand the amount of work. Most people don't understand. Mm-hmm. And you know, and if you can take, and you, the listener, can take anything from this podcast, just uh, there are certain things that you should complain about in a restaurant. There are absolutely, and and the staff wants it, to know if your steak is undercooked. Or overcooked, I want that fixed. Yeah, I want to. I want to throw out whatever steak you have and cook a new steak. My my biggest thing when I order a burger is cooking it to temp. If I order it medium rare, I want it medium rare. If I order it medium, I want it medium. Right. There's certain things that um uh, that you as a manager of a restaurant want to know about. Mm-hmm. Like you want to know how we can improve, but. Also, before you complain, think of everything else that's going on. And is it really something that is the fault of that poor waiter that's making minimum wage or that poor server? My waiters server don't make minimum wage. Well. My waiters make a lot of money. <laughs> some of them do. Some of them don't. <laughs> you know, I'm not, not no, no, just, just, just a restaurant. Just, well, yeah, I have that second to yes. say it. <laughs> oh, non-tipping establishment and they make minimum wage? No, no, no. No, that no. wouldn't they, work. They get paid a living wage. Yeah. <laughs> So I want to talk to you about your experience at Sen. Okay. Um, so you wanted to do the tasting menu, and I said, don't do the tasting menu. Let me just order things for you. Yep. Uh, well, I, and I wanted to do the tasting menu because I was hoping that it was sort of a best of and that what I was going to get, you know, was was that. But you said, you know, I Mike was basically like, I know who you are. Like, I'm yeah. going to – I'll make my own tasting menu for you. So before that even, though, before we had that conversation, I sent out a bunch of nigiri to you. Yes. So what takeaways? Oh, man. So delicious. <laughs> um, everything. I mean, everything from the beginning. It was a mix of Nikkei and classic nigiri. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the Toro was it's phenomenal. Like, you know, so the fatty fatty tuna um, is Toro. And it, it was, I mean, it, the, the texture was amazing. Um, to the point where we were just, Kristen and I, my wife and I, were just talking about, like, where do you get this stuff from? Like, it's really delicious. I'm getting a call from my GM. I think I'm going to call them to work. 
All right, so we're back. Did you you didn't get called into work? No, I didn't get called into work. <laughs> just right. other re- See, this is what I mean with restaurants. Just like restaurant stuff is re- always Restaurants something. don't stop. Yes. Um so anyway, you're the yeah, the what impressed me um about all of the, you know, the traditional sushi stuff that was coming out and and it was just the freshness of the ingredients. Everything mm-hmm. was just phenomenal. Um so we're, you sent out um three or four. What was the one that um I said I had never had before? Kimidai. Yeah. Kimidai is my favorite. It was delicious. It's um, fishy without being strong fishy, and it like has a fresh nice, fishy. Nice bite to it. Yeah, it's not like the texture is really nice. <laughs> um, it's completely different than the the otoro, which was you know super fatty, like fatty and smooth and like delicate. Um, yeah, it was really good. Um, some standouts for me. Let's see. Oh, the dish that you sent out that was like. Um, that you said was your favorite the chicken nanban, the madai tiradito. The madai tiradito. Madai tiraditos. Explain he, what he, that is. So he talks about it in the review. Madai is a sea bream or red snapper. Tiradito is the love child of sashimi and ceviche. Mm-hmm. So instead of marinating chunks of fish for in citrus for half an hour, an hour or whatever, it's thinly sliced fish like sashimi, and then it's plated with a citrus sauce. Man, it was it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. Like, I mean, flavors, texture, everything was like awesome. I could eat plates mm-hmm. of that. You know, it's insane. All day. Um, the skewers were great. Um, my favorite. Uh, I, well, I don't know. So I ca- I can't pick a favorite. Um, but the the pork belly with um the what kind of cheese is that? Queso cremoso. Queso cremoso. Um, and this is something that Wells also talks about in the in the review. I mean, it's queso cremoso wrapped around pork belly over a skewer. I mean, it's bacon and cheese, you know, on a skewer, and it was delicious. Um, the smoke, like, there, there was great use of, like, just little bits of smoke in a whole bunch of the dishes, which mm-hmm. I thought, I think I, I yeah, talked the, to either you chocolate. or the, yeah. I mean, it just, not overwhelming, but you take, you taste a bite of something, and you're like, oh, man, what is that? It tastes like it was, you know, mm-hmm. it, slowly just cooked over a campfire but like quick enough that the smoke is not overwhelming you know it's like there was a campfire in the distance while i was eating this um there's that the sweet potato was japanese sweet potato japanese sweet potato was i mean it was it was dense but soft and sweet and like carroty sweet yeah Yeah. grilled it phenomenal uh let's do you remember the butter Yes, yes. The butter was it was a, a compound, compound butter. Yeah. Um, Which Tom loves compound butter. Oh, I butters. do. I love. I love. I, compound I gave butters. him a bone on Monday, uh, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna make bone butter with this." Give it Tom a bone. <laughs> <laughs> Send all your bones to Tom at notafoodie.com. Hey. <laughs> um, no, I I do. I, I'll take any like uh, he came over with leftover steak bones uh, and ribeye bones, and I'm like, "Yep, I know exactly what I'm doing with these." Um, but that compound butter was delicious. It was, it was it was really sweet butter. But what was it? Was ají amarillo. Uh, yes, ají amarillo, um, which is a Peruvian like a, a a paste, like a chili paste, right? Well, it's, a it's a pepper. Ají amarillo is a pepper. Yeah. yeah. So that was delicious. Um, oh my god! The I forgot about the the best fried chicken that I've ever had in my life. <laughs> really? You're gonna call the chicken amban the best fried? That's incredible. no. I will not call it the best fried chicken I've had in my life because I don't know that it's it's not a traditional fried chicken. No. I will say that the black chicken that you use mm-hmm. is um, the best chicken. Is the best chicken that I've and ever. And I, I talked to the chef about it. I learned about it. So it's a Chinese chicken, mm-hmm. indigenously, but we get it from a farm in upstate New York 
that cultivates it. And they keep their prices low enough so the Chinese community in New York City can still afford it. Wow. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, it, it was juicy. It was, I mean, you, I, I took out a knife and my wife was like, you don't need a knife. Like, this is, use your fork for this. Mm-hmm. And, and it he, was. Wells talks about it for, for a sentence and says the quinoa, like, there should be no question that quinoa can provide, like, a great yes, crunchiness. Yes, yes. That's, um, that was the other thing that I was going to say. It's not fried chicken, like, you know, southern fried chicken. Like, I made fried chicken here last night in my house and, you know, I just dredged in flour and fried in oil. This was, like, this had a crispy quinoa crust on it. And I was never, quinoa is one of those uh, overrated sort of foods, I think. But. Uh, I'm I don't rethinking, think you see it enough. I'm rethinking my position on quinoa after having that fried chicken that was uh, doused in crunchy quinoa or you know dredged in crunchy quinoa. I mean that was that was my favorite thing. I think I said. Uh, I I think that is sensicana on a plate. Oh is man, the, is the chicken now? I said we can open up a food truck yeah. to serve that. Uh, I've said that before. Yeah, I, it, like I truly believe it. I would eat that, you know, that and the skewers. You do those two things in a food truck and park it outside of a bar on the Lower East Side and uh, and you'll make a killing. <laughs> but up, it was a great experience. We had such a really good time. Cocktails were great. Um, Mike sent over some cocktails to sort of uh, lubricate the evening, which was nice. Um, but every, everything was my, really, really My great. favorite part was, hey, can you get us a bottle of wine? <laughs> and then I, I brought out a... 2013 Marie Coton uh, extra brute champagne. So like champagne, if it has a vintage, means it's very good. Yeah. Mo- most champagne is good and doesn't have a vintage. So if they're declaring a vintage and they're only using grapes from that vintage, it means it is very good. Uh, it it was it was perfect. And and we knew we wanted bubbles. We said, well, do we want do we want just uh, like some white wine or do we want bubbles? And we said bubbles. We gave you a price and you came back and. It was five percent more than the price yeah. that we wanted, it was, but it was well worth it. <laughs> it was a few dollars. Yes, <laughs> but overall, I mean, it was a great experience. And like I said earlier, I think that um, I see uh, my dining experience sort of reflects Wells's review. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are certain things that were like fucking amazing like really really good and delicious like that fried chicken and, and you know the skewers i had they were they were delicious and then i um i did not have to go through the menu which is what like six or seven pages long yeah. and because you sort of curated the meal for me so i could see that if you go in there it could be like overwhelming that you've got these huge choices and, we, and there we might were be some things getting that didn't, killed you know. on yelp and we thought a part of it was that the menu was too difficult to navigate. So we redid the menu. Mm-hmm. And after redoing it to like what you saw, it's helped a lot. Yeah. And that it's still just a massive menu. So that's uh, – let's let's sort of go back to the review. Like are you going to – do you think that you'll take anything that he said and sort of try to incorporate that to make the restaurant better? Um, I think – it comes down to the chef, what the chef wants. Right. Um, I wouldn't change any of the sushi, even though he's like the some of the ingredients have way too many. Some of the rolls have too many ingredients, but whatever. That's kind of like what the appeal is. Yeah, I think that's that's sort of your thing. I, yeah, I like that. Uh, me too. And because um, my whole my whole draw with the Nikkei sushi is it literally doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. Like this is right. like. There's Nikkei restaurants with sushi, but these sushi rolls do not exist, period, besides here. Um, and then the 
what did he say? He said like the chicken skewer wasn't that good. The uh, I love the chicken the skewer. The oyaka, not the oyakodon, the the steak taku taku. The consistency of it wasn't very good. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, we'll see. We'll see what they do. He liked the maguro tiradito, which is the it's the first picture in the article. It's the green sauce with a little red fish, mm-hmm. and that's one of my least favorite things on the menu. Ah. So, yeah. It's who you know. Well, like they say, there's no accounting for taste. Mm-hmm. You just you never know. Right. Well, I mean, overall, like I said, I, I and I've I've said this to you over the course of the past few months. Like, this is from the get go. This has been an extremely ambitious project. Very. Like you're, you know, it, it was three different spaces that you had to three or four. Three. Three different spaces. Yeah. You had to consolidate leases. You had to do construction. You had to. Yeah, it, it, we it's made a, a second kitchen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you built out different uh, different aspects. Mm-hmm. You have these, you know, the private rooms. You've got a sushi bar. You've got a regular bar. You've got kitchens. You got prep kitchens, and it's been an ambitious year. And I think that that is reflected in the review. I think that you guys should be extremely proud of everything that you've done, you and your team, and um, having eaten there, um, and also just achieving this review i think this is this is a very positive review and you're always going to be your harshest critic right like you always oh, i mm-hmm. want to get two stars like you you, you know and, and that's that was a thing we, we're going to get one star or two stars you know um you're your harshest critic you wanted the two stars you got the one star which is phenomenal it, and it's it better kinda, than 99 of the restaurants out there it kind of feels like when college admissions you have like your safety schools your like try schools and like your reach schools like yeah like getting it must feel be like what getting waitlisted on your reach school feels like <laughs> so you're waitlisted for harvard but you know <laughs> yeah it, it, it's not all bad cool well i can't wait to go back to the restaurant and i think everybody else i'm gonna, I'm gonna plug the restaurant because i know that you're too humble to plug it but no go to Sensicana. If, yeah, if you want a reservation mike. email me at mike at not a foodie.com and i'll put you in yeah if you email my podcast email account for a reservation i will get you a reservation <laughs> that's that's the secret code <laughs> that's the secret to getting service don't don't call mike at the restaurant no. you would listen you would have to, had to listen to the podcast for a half hour to get email mike at notafoodie.com tell him what you love about the podcast and he'll hook you up at sensicana <laughs> Well, Mike, thanks for thanks for making the time to do this, you know, sort of quick, uh, quick turnaround podcast. We just wanted to get this done while the review was up there. Yeah, so. it, I have to literally go by um, on New York Times today. So. <laughs> Take a picture of the Kindle version or something. <laughs> All right, man. That's uh, that's it, guys. So uh, talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.